e-commerce gold is brought to you by rewind accidents happen maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake it's a common myth that shopify has a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store the fact is they don't that's untrue that myth is busted so what do you do you use rewind to equip your shopify store with automated backups rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error misbehaving apps or collaborators gone bad it's like having your very own magic undo button it's trusted by over 100,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like nix lord and taylor and moomin it's even a shopify plus certified app best of all visit rewind.com forward slash e-commerce gold and get your first month for absolutely nothing free on us the Econ Gold podcast has partnered with Clearco to provide you with financial tools to grow your business without having to give away equity. Clearco is the world's largest e-commerce investor and growth platform, giving founders the financial tools, capital and network they need to grow. Plug in your Shopify store and your loan could be agreed within just 24 hours. Visit clear.co slash partner slash Vixxr, V-I-X-X-R for exclusive deals, £1,000 off your first loan as a podcast listener and more information. This show is brought to you in collaboration with Vixxr, a leading Shopify agency with a mission to grow and migrate brands to Shopify Plus. They've worked with some of the world's largest brands and can help you level up your e-commerce performance. Visit vixxr.com, V-I-X-X-R.com for more information. In today's episode, we learn from Chris Mead, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and co-founder of CrossNet, the fastest growing garden game in the USA. Chris exposes how CrossNet has gone from zero to being stocked into 3,500 plus stores and how and why they set up their own logistics and how he built a global brand, all with a small team and zero external funding. Ready to hear from Chris? Here we go. So we invented the world's first four-way volleyball net uh, about five years ago. We had a, a crazy idea for why, why isn't this a game, right? We thought of it in our head. We draw it on a piece of paper. It just made a lot of sense. And there's nobody, nobody had ever created it before. It kind of just felt like a, uh, this is too good to be true. Somebody has had to have created this before and nobody did. So we went all in on it. And now it's one of the world's fastest growing sports. That's incredible. And to invent a new sport is what, I mean, to come up with a new product is one thing, but to invent a new sport, I mean, how did you even get to that idea? What was the process of um, arriving at CrossNet? Yeah. So we took two badminton nets. We cut out the center, rigged them up on my mom's uh, garden shed. <laughs> and uh, we had our friends come over and we just made up rules on the spot. It took about an hour. Um, we combined Foursquare, which is a traditional childhood game. I'm not sure if you have it out there, but in the States, no. it's super popular. Bounce the ball on concrete. You're trying to throw it as hard as you can at your friend and hopefully they can't hit the ball back at you. So we brought that up into the air and uh, don't let the ball land in your square. It was simple as that spike, be as fun as you want. And we played for hours, bro. We were like working on the rules and now we have like a a 90 page rule booklet. It's kind of crazy how far it's evolved. Man, that's incredible. And it's you and your, is it your brothers or your co-founders? Yeah, my brother and our childhood friend. We grew up playing uh, soccer together. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. So, I mean, tell, tell people a little bit about your, um, before becoming a successful entrepreneur with CrossNet, what was your journey to that point? Yeah, I was, uh, 
I went to school for film. I wanted to be, so I grew up in a small like farm town, um, 30 minutes off the highway, one restaurant, gas stations 30 minutes away. So before you got into the town, you had to fill up with gas. Otherwise you're going to break your heart down. So uh, my whole life, I wanted to become a, a movie director. I was like, how do I get out of my farm town? How do I become famous? Uh, let's go to school for film. And I got myself into terrible student loan debt. When you're 18 years old, you don't really comprehend what hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt does and how long that takes to pay back. Um, so I, I started working on film sets after college, realized I hated it. It sucked. And uh, I also couldn't pay my rent. So I got into sales. I ended up uh, helping launch Uber Eats in Rhode Island in Boston, which was really cool. Uh, flash forward like a few years. So I got, I got some good sales background. I learned how to like cold outreach, talk to people, have good conversation with people who probably shouldn't be caring to talk to somebody like myself. And uh, it, it set me up for good success when we had that idea for CrossNet. When, when did you feel like you were an entrepreneur? I mean, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs would say they have a sales background or a tendency for sales and understanding people. Um, but when did you, when, because you could have finished film school and done anything, I yeah, guess yeah. you could have got any kind of job. Like what was the draw to entrepreneurship? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, I felt like I was an entrepreneur when growing up, uh, our family didn't have too much money. Um, my dad was in between jobs and there's times where me and my brother, when we we're 15, 16, would just have to work just to keep the lights on and pay the mortgage. And like, I love my mom to death. Um, there's just, we had to just scramble to survive kind of and make sure that the lights were on. We loved video games too. If the internet went out, we were so pissed. So we had to make sure we paid the bill. So uh, we were always just doing odd jobs as kids, like selling t-shirts online, doing eBay, flipping stuff at yard sales, like the typical, like Gary V things. We, we were doing those things to, to kind of stay alive. And uh, I was working, uh, I was working for some Amazon company in college, I was working like almost 40, 50 hours a week while I was in college. So I remember being in class, actually listing like baby products on Amazon. We were drop shipping back then when it was super popular. So now I think I kind of knew I was an entrepreneur when I was like 17, 18. I always knew I didn't want to work for somebody else. And there's, there's nothing better than being your own boss and just having the full autonomy of being able to do what you want when you want. Do you, do you remember the first thing that you sold when you were younger? Oh, first thing I sold... had to be I was I was probably buying autograph cards on eBay before cards got cool again like two years ago I was like selling like NFL Hall of Fame like signed rookie cards and uh just flipping them on eBay for a quick buck or Pokemon cards probably do you know what it was for me do you remember Bebo the social media network I don't yeah know yeah if you guys yeah, ever yeah caught on over there I do remember love. yep I was um I had a Bebo account and I and I I managed somehow to convince a Chinese supplier to send me samples of hats and Air Force One shoes. And I just I just had them for myself and put them on Bebo and then people started wanting to buy them. And I must have been like 12 or 13 and people were sending me cards, like birthday cards with pound coins, equivalent would be like cents and dollars over yeah. there, taped to the inside to buy these. And I get on the train and drop off these like Ugg boots and I don't know if they were knockoff. I can't be penalized for it yeah. now. But <laughs> man, it's just crazy. I think it's just built into some people, right? And oh, of course. That's incredible. So uh, you, you landed at CrossNet and, and were you taking it seriously at the start or were you just like, how, how did it, was it you were just messing around and you thought that ah, this could be a business or were you yeah. looking for a business? No, I wasn't looking for a business. I was more looking for an escape from my current job. Um, I loved it. I was making 
150 grand a year. I was, I was doing, doing well. Right. Like, but I also hated waking up and having to cold call people for nine hours a day. Nobody likes doing that. Um, and if you do, you're probably lying to yourself, but uh, it sucked. And so I knew I was always looking for that one opportunity to like be my big success. And I knew this was it. I just, from that first day, we knew that we were onto something. If we were having fun with it and playing for it for hours, like why wouldn't every kid in America? So from that moment on, we, we put all of our heart, like all of our passion, waking up, like staying up to five o'clock in the morning, grinding on this idea. But it just took a long time. That's, that's one thing I never like really thought was how long it would take. I mean, our first year we did like $87,000 in sales and netted like, we probably lost money on that, right? So like in the back of your mind, you're like, dude, why, do, why would I do this? I'm making 150 grand somewhere else. I just quit to make no money and like go build Upwork websites to keep the rent. Like this sucks, but it was a grind and yeah, it's worth it. But yeah, I, I knew this was going to be a big, I just uh, didn't expect it to take so long. And in hindsight, five years isn't that long, but it just feels forever. I'm going back to that moment. Did you have any um, previous experience with financials or like when you were saying you're grinding and working things out, we all get that warm, fuzzy feeling. I've got about 300 domains as most of us do, but how did you, or were you just learning on the go? Yeah, no, we had a a company that we launched in college. Um, It was a hookah company. So hookah tobacco. Uh, My college roommate was, uh, came from Jamaica and his dad owned a sugarcane plant. So we chopped down sugarcane, we mixed it with flavoring, and we sold it as shisha for hookah pipes. And it was non-tobacco. And so that was our first business. It was called The King. Uh, we almost had like a million dollars in sales. It was really cool. But uh, we would just go to hookah lounges all across the country in like my 1998 Toyota. And we'd just go in, we'd try to sell the bags. I remember we sold to Shaquille O'Neal's a hookah lounge one night. That was cool. And it was pretty popular. But uh, that was our first experience in entrepreneurship. None of us smoked hookah. We just knew how to sell the product. So uh, it wasn't a passion play at all, but uh, it was a cool experience in running a business, driving traffic to a website, learning how to advertise in a taboo market that doesn't let you run Facebook ads and stuff like that. So it helps us become better marketers. Wow. Yeah. Fair play to you guys. How big was your team when you, when you were putting three, stuff together? Three people, bro. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. the skill sets? Um, so for the first company or the second for, or for CrossNet? For CrossNet. Yeah. So, uh, skill sets is just my brother, myself and our founder skill sets. And that's, I think that's so important that a lot of people don't talk about is the founders having different skill sets that allows you to grow together because there's so many times people are just stepping on your toes. So for me, like I had the marketing and sales, uh, my brother had the social media and then <clears throat> my other partner was, uh, in manufacturing and engineering. So we were all good at different things, uh, which kind of helped cross that take off so much faster than it should have. And how was that in the early days? Were you all, cause it's easy to get swept along by the momentum of the fun, but were you able to uh, have the serious conversations, get the planning done as well? Was that relationship okay? Were you able to maintain it? Yeah, of course. Um, there's always fights that you have with your co-founders. I think the best thing was since we're all friends and brothers as well, we're easy, like it was easy to squash the beef rather than holding stuff in for so long. It's like, Yo, I'm pissed off. Let's talk about it and let's figure it out in one hour compared to it dwelling on for months or years at a time. So uh, just upfront honesty, being super candid about how you feel and when things piss you off, like let them know, uh, allowed us to be that successful, I guess. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you hear horror stories of people working with people um, 
that they know and it not going so well, but it's yeah. good to hear a good to hear a success story. And I think um, letting yeah. letting people do what they're good at, right? Like my one partner is a manufacturer and an engineer. Like I don't know the first thing about engineering. Why would I ever tell him how to do his job? And he doesn't know the first thing about like closing a sales deal. So why would he give me advice unless I asked for it? So like letting your team shine. And that still goes today when we have 20 employees, right? Like I'm not, I'm trying to give my social media person like advice and guidance because that's kind of my world, but she knows better than me. And she knows better than me because I hired her because I know she's smarter than me when it comes to that. So let her run with it. Let your, let your talent run. So how big's your team now? 20 people. 20 people. And yeah. how, how, how recently has it grown? <clears throat> um, it's got, so we were at three employees for the longest time that we scaled to like eight or nine. And then it kind of has doubled in uh, 2020. We kind of like really staffed up when we hit like almost eight figures in revenue. And half of that is supply chain and logistics because we, uh, we ship all of our own product. And then the other half is the marketing and sales team. You ship all your own products. So do you have a warehouse? <laughs> we have uh, three warehouses actually. Yeah. Wow. And, and why did you choose that over 3PL? So for us, CrossNet is really heavy. It weighs 20 pounds. So all of the 3PLs that we've ever tried to work with have quoted us like almost three or four X what it costs for us to do it internally. So we rented our own space, hired our own labor, taught them all how to ship the boxes. And in compliance, a lot of 3PLs aren't set up to ship to the big boxes like a Walmart or a Target or whatever. Um, so we just kind of manage it in-house. It's a lot more work. It's definitely not fun to do. Uh, but it saves us money uh, at the current moment. Any 3PL listening, if you could beat the rate, let me know. But mostly it never happens. I mean, it's kind of incredible because um, my background, I speak to a lot of uh, operators like yourself. Mm. And we'll come on to the fact that you're omnichannel in a minute, but you're omnichannel, bootstrapped, self-fulfilling across the US I'm, and a team of 20 people. And only since, I mean, it's actually blown my mind yeah. The amount of uh, just daily tasks that must accumulate. How have you managed those it, systems? Uh, just no sleeping. Like, what does your life look like? It's it's fun, bro. Uh, we use Basecamp for everything. Uh, we use Slack for communication. I think the biggest thing that we've done this year is that every single person on the team has monthly, quarterly, and also weekly like KPIs and goals. And so it used to be. Chris, we're doing so much work and we're not getting down to like what's really important. And we used to just try to be the best at everything and do everything. And uh, looking back, I'm like, damn, that was a mistake. Let's focus on the three things that will actually move the needle this week. You could sign off on Friday feeling happy and knowing that I'm happy for you that you got your three things done. So it's just kind of small bucketed items that push the whole company forward. And if you get to task number four, five, six, seven, great. But make sure that one, two, three are done. And that that's kind of how we're setting up every week now. Right. And it sounds like you've got a good team now, right? Yeah. Very happy with the team. Okay. For sure. So the retail, I mean, you, you're D2C um, and you're also in how many stores now? Right now we're in like 3,500 stores, maybe 4,000 oh at this point. Yeah. And we're that's in uh, United States, Canada, Australia, and Europe. Wow. And, and... How quickly is that growing for you guys? It's big, dude. For In 2020, we first started with our first store. And in less than two years, we're in 3,500 stores. So it's just kind of snowballing. We started with two stores, like two locations. I got it to 35. 
and then 35 turned to 700 and 700 turned to like 2000 and 2000 turned to like 4,000. So it's just like, it keeps compounding. I know a lot of people listening to this, um, will have a pretty good grip on D to C or think they do at least, but the, um, the world of working with, with retailers, um, it's tough. Well, you say it's tough, but you've done an incredible job. So will you share (laughs) any secrets, any tips or tricks, or is it just hard graft and good communication? Yeah, I think, I think it's having a strong brand as well. Um, there's two things, right? So like when you're starting off as a DTC brand, moving into retail, you're kind of, you're nervous, right? We all have those calls when we get on and we're like, you're nervous 15 minutes before the call and you're so happy it's over after the call. You're like, why was I even nervous in the first place? That's kind of how you feel when you talk to your buyer. Um, you need to build a good rapport with them, figure out everything that you could do within the store. There's so many cool opportunities that they're probably not going to tell you unless you ask. So what we're doing this year is we're spending, moving a lot of our D2C money, which we try to force on Facebook and Instagram, and we're moving it into the store because 60% of our business is in retail. So let's move the money to where our people actually are. So we're doing end caps, floor displays, building pallets out doing all these cool things that I never thought of. And all I had to do is ask. So try to set up monthly or quarterly meetings with your, your buyer. Um, make sure you have a strong brand. Make sure you're always advertising that your products are sold elsewhere and give them a reason why they should go to their Dick Sporting Goods or their Walmart. Um, what can they get different? Is it a different product? Can they get it sooner? Can they take advantage of this opportunity? Uh, we're always trying to drive people. That's my new challenge, right? We're, we're starting with Sam's Club, 300 locations this summer. And now I need to figure out strategies to drive people to that actual Sam's Club and pick up a box rather than buying on my website, uh, which is fun. So interesting, isn't it? And actually, when I think about the biggest brands that we have over here in the UK that started in a similar way, they all went down that road uh, and it ultimately got acquired mm-hmm. by uh, big players in in that space. Um and actually with, with the current landscape, uh, what a great opportunity to be able to build out with retail, um, against having to just be at the mercy of Facebook and, uh, other advertising platforms. Absolutely. Um, so just quick one about Shopify. You're on Shopify. Um, whose decision was it to choose Shopify? Was it even a decision? Was it just, no. you know, it has to be Shopify. It wasn't even a decision. Even back in 2018, Shopify was still like the go-to place. So yeah, we've been on Shopify and we're on now Shopify plus tough. To, that was a tough decision because it's like $2,000 a month. Um, but the reason why not only are we saving money on each transaction, uh, but it allows me to have three different websites and allows me to like really integrate them, copy, make sure whatever's happening on one site happens on the other. Uh, it's really easy to, to run three stores at once, uh, through Shopify plus. Yeah, it's interesting that you say it was a um, two thousand dollars. It is it is a, a a lot of money per month on the balance sheet, but I guess versus the revenue that you guys generate through the store, yeah, yeah it must uh, it must pay for itself. But it, no, it is interesting. Um, are, are there any apps or third parties that applications that you run uh, that you, you would absolutely recommend as oh, lifesavers? Hundred percent, uh, gorgeous for sure. Gorgeous for customer service. I mean. We have massive physical education companies come in, retailers come in. Dick Sporting Goods came in on a chat box, bro. $500,000 order. He just wrote back saying, this is Dick's. Um, please write back. And I was like, oh my God. So uh, yeah, I mean, Gorgeous is a lifesaver. We use Okendo for all of our reviews. Uh, Triple Whale for kind of understanding how we're, our performance marketing is doing. 
Clavio and Privy for email marketing and capture and PostScript for SMS. Uh, that's kind of my, my go-to stack. Yeah, that's a nice stack. And and in terms of your website, what channels are working best for you guys at the moment? Is it the typical social media? Yeah, right now it's the typical social. Um, <clears throat> the one interesting thing that I don't hear people talking about that I'm trying to do, and we're not doing a ton of it, but it's starting to work, is uh, buying niche newsletter sends from our industry. So buying physical education newsletters, buying mommy bloggers, buying volleyball coaches, whatever it is, and getting a dedicated cross-net email out to their audience, paying them 500 bucks, gave me a nice discount code. And if it costs me 500 bucks for the send and I'm making $15,000 on the email, let's just keep stacking those up. I'd rather do that and have it be predictable than rolling like Russian roulette on Facebook every day. So it's like a hyper micro newsletter. So yep. that newsletter is the influencer. That's Exa- incredible. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going really people well. People are going to know about yeah. that. <laughs> it's going really well, dude. Uh, and then we have our email design team, like make a beautiful HTML email that's on brand for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example with USA Volleyball, we did one. And it was like, hey, USA Volleyball fans, uh, you if you love volleyball, you're going to love CrossNet. Use code USAV for $50 off. And we made $35,000 in one day just off that one email. Oh, and wow. that email cost me just a couple grand. So it's like, Rinse and repeat, right? I think that's the that is the skill of a good entrepreneur hustler in a way yeah. is is finding those pockets. Exactly. And what about what about a lot of people are moving in, especially in the UK, um, into physical posting. Uh it's a bit different in America, there's a lot more people, but physically posting out. Um, is that has that ever been on your radar, even to like volleyball clubs or or is that just something you haven't tried? Like getting the the game into the clubs itself? No, like a, like a physical uh, flyer posted through the door. Oh, yeah. We personally haven't tried that yet. Um, the cost has been a lot for us, to be honest. I've tried to like just kind of run an analysis, and I'd rather almost stick to what is working with my budget at, at the moment. Each year we do kind of bake in, I don't know, anywhere from twenty dollars to $100,000 to test stuff. Last year we tested billboards and connected TV. Uh, this year, hell, maybe we'll test that. But the newsletter thing has been going really well for us right now. So we're going to keep trying that. And what do you use at the moment to measure your success on uh, what are the kind of metrics that you're taking down? Do you go really into it or are you taking a high level approach? Yeah. So we have a global MER target. Uh, so each month we're looking at our MER to make sure that we're spending and returning as much money as possible. And then weekly, actually daily, we have ROAS targets on performance marketing. So if we're not hitting a 2.2 globally, uh, and we're only looking at it on D2C, not retail. So on the D2C site, which is just our Shopify, if we're not at a 2.2, um, we're not happy knowing that we have this halo effect on Amazon and retail as well. So for every one sale we get on our site, we could see like four to five offline. Okay. Makes sense. Um, has the Shopify sales sound been turned off? Oh bro. I don't even have Shopify on my phone. Oh, you tell me. it's too, it's too much. I don't I guess even have it on my phone. Days. Yeah. It's, it used to be fun. It used to be like, I remember my best friend used to be at the casino, like check out the analytics to the girls on the phone, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I don't even have Shopify on my phone anymore. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, post pandemic, I mean, for you guys, it, especially in the UK, we saw a lot of people spending a lot of time at home. It's obvious. Yeah. And a lot of time in their gardens. And I think the spend on, um, home furnishings and all kinds of things like that just went through the roof. Did you, did you get a similar effect oh, over there? Absolutely, bro. We were, uh, 
at one point we were out of stock 20,000 units. It was crazy. I think uh, everyone's mindset has just changed. Like the time out, I'm looking outside right now, like the time outside is more valuable than it's ever been. People that don't, didn't like going outside are now walking. For me, 30 minutes outside is the best 30 minutes of my day. Uh, and that mindset has helped, like thankfully transitioned for CrossNet as well. Like people want to be outside. They want to do something. They don't want to feel locked down. Now you have a back, great backyard game. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Um, away from CrossNet, what, what, what are your biggest distractions, either business or personally hobbies? What, what <laughs> takes your head out of the business? I got a beautiful fiance that I'm marrying in a few months, which I'm excited about. Um, I got a French bulldog that needs to be walked way too often. I love going to concerts. Absolutely love music. Uh, post light, post cross net. I'd love to open up a music venue or a few music venues. Like that's a, that's a big passion of mine. Um, I love working out. I got to work out every day just to like keep the mind right. Love playing basketball when I can and uh, just bought this damn Peloton that makes you feel pretty guilty about not riding it. So, uh, yeah, just staying active, man. I like reading. I love reading. Absolutely love reading. And uh, I got to take a bath once a day. I love taking a bath. <laughs> it's a good way to relax. It's a good way to relax, bro. Good way to relax. <laughs> I mean, there's quite a lot on that list. How, yeah. Are you, are you um, I mean, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that just barely sleep, smoke yeah. two packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> And, you know, just gray hair at 28 and uh, not loving life, but they're making yeah. a lot of money, but man, they just don't look happy. And I'm no. sure there's people listening who can, who can resonate. It's, you seem like a, a guy that has his priorities in order. Um, what is that life balance like for you with this obviously explosively successful business? Yeah. How have you maintained a life? I think it's setting... It's funny. I just got off a call where I was talking about this. I calendar in the things that are the most important to me and not that CrossNet isn't the most important, but my mental sanity is more important than the business. Every morning I need to work out. Like I get so angry if I can't work, like I need to just sweat and like start my day off. Right. So eight to nine, nine to 10, whatever it is, I'm working out, spending time with the future wife at nighttime. And those, those are two things that are absolutely happening. Work falls in between. And then I think also like yeah, the money is cool, right? But like for me, like how we grew up, dude, like having money to get the large at Starbucks instead of the small, like that, that's like, I mean, that's cliche, but like I don't need a lot of money to live. Like if I spend 50 bucks a day, like, and I feel like I have it and it's not like draining the bank account, then I'm happy. Like I, I got my rent covered. I got my lights. Like I'm happy with who who I'm with. I'm happy with my friends on the couch watching Netflix. I don't need to be on yachts and all this stupid shit. I don't need a Ferrari. Like I got money. I got a successful business that's cash flowing. Like, I don't know. I think it's just like who you are as a person and how you're raised as well. Like kind of comes into that. Like grew up on food stamps. So like having this business is fucking crazy. I'm I'm on the same page as you. I think after a certain point and everyone has a different point of, of what money they need in their life. But after a certain point, I I like to think of it as people are voting for you to hold their capital, to reinvest in things they enjoy. People that like sports are investing in you in CrossNet to hope that you bring on out new products or, and, and yeah, that's cool, man. I think that's the way everyone should look at it. I don't even know what I'd do with all that money. Right. Like if I had like Jeff Bezos money, like I'm going to a concert on Saturday that cost me like 150 bucks. Like I paid for it. I'm not like complaining about it. I'm going to have a good time. And that's the most important thing this week. Like I'm, I'm pumped for that. Like, I don't even know when you have all that money, what do you even do with it? It's just, I'm happy to live in the life I'm living right now. 
That's so good. So refreshing. Um, question about cash flow then, because yeah. you've never taken investment, is that right? You have you've never taken any investment. Nope. So um how have you managed cash flow throughout this journey? Has it just been okay? Have you been able to uh, fulfill all your full obligations or yeah. It's been tough, bro. I mean, I think the biggest thing is kind of having that all the founders have that humble lifestyle where when there's 500K in the bank account, we're not we're not drawing that out to go buy cars and stuff. It's we need more inventory because we need to keep doubling down. So along the way, it's been sell 200 nets, buy 500, sell 500, buy 1,000 and keep going. Um, over time, we have luckily started working with retailers that... Um, pay on good terms. So what I mean by that is like, if you start with your first retail account being Walmart and they pay on 120 days later, um, that's going to really screw up your cash flow. We actually started working with retailers in net 30, then net 60 and net 90. And it was by complete accident, but it just happened. And that really helped with our cash flow because we were having money come in and we're building up the balance sheet. And then eventually we got to the point uh, where we have had to take, like, we have a, a big line of credit with JP Morgan now that helps us finance our inventory. It's just gotten to the point where, like, for Sam's Club, we're going to need $2 million to fund a purchase order. Like, I don't I don't have that, but the bank does, and then I'll pay it back uh, with a little bit of debt. But it's all it's all good for the business. It's how you run a, a large business like that. You just got to do those things. And have you had to adapt to the shipping costs? You mentioned shipping there, but... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, freight, freight costs have gone up. Um, we're seeing containers come back. I think I actually saw a chart yesterday. Our, our container costs are coming down to like $9,000. Uh, so that's a good feeling, almost 50% cheaper than what they were a few months ago. For us, we had enough margin in our game where we didn't have to raise prices. It just, we took a haircut, um, is what it is. And now we're getting back to better container costs. So we'll see our margin come back. Yeah, I know a lot of people have got, you know, just who are operating on such small margins just got killed by destroyed. That. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um. So before we go into a quick lightning round, which yep. I hope you don't mind, no, um, I've got one one more question. So it, it presumably a seasonal business. Yeah. Um, and I know the states is big enough to have a few seasons in different areas, which is kind of <laughs> cool. But uh, now you're in Europe. I mean, I guess that opens things up a little bit more. Um. Uh, from a seasonal perspective, but how do you deal with that? Um, how does that affect the business in terms of holding stock? How does that influence your decision-making? It's tough. It's such a, it's a, it's been a learning process. Uh, you look at it two ways. One in the off season, call it December through March, you're doing everything and anything for the business to run profitably and to not be pissing away cash. Where are we spending money that we shouldn't be when it don't do anything stupid for the business. And then in those summer months, gas it up. So rather, what I mean by that is rather than trying to force sales in January, because I want my Shopify notifications to say I'm making money, be okay with the fact that it's not the best time to run advertising for a volleyball game in the middle of January in, in Colorado and spend all your money in June and make all your money in June. Um, it just requires a lot of planning, a lot of forecasting, a lot of being smart about the balance sheet. But let's Let's pour the gas on when there's money to be made and let's back off and strategize when there's not money to be made. And then the second point is now that we're in Australia and Europe, when it is cold here, we now have markets to uh, go market to. And so now we're trying to grow the Australian market. And hopefully by this time next year, we'll have 365 days of sunshine. We'll have customers around the country, around the world. And I can literally just say, Facebook stopped spending there. We're going to spend over here today. 
And and there's a logistical challenge there as well, right? Because oh, you, yeah. you guys are obviously in the states, and you've got control over your you, you've got your control of your warehouses, your people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're talking about time zones. You're talking about standing up teams in different, well, almost halfway across the world. Um, I guess is that a challenge you're facing right now? Yeah, uh, it, setting it up for sure. That process was annoying. Uh, we have a three PL over in Australia. We have a distributor over in Europe. So. Getting the process started, yeah, nobody likes to get on a call at 9 p.m. with Australia. But you do that for a month, you get it set up, and now the business is running. Uh, They integrate directly with our Shopify, so literally inventory gets sold, boom, they ship it. We're good. So it's just kind of the setup process, but that's all part of the journey. Okay, awesome. So um, I'm going to go jump into a lightning round. It'd be quick fire questions. So Let's just, do it. you know, you could, you, you don't have to answer them if you don't want to answer them. <laughs> um, how many domains do you own? Oh, uh, bro. Uh, probably like over 20 right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, when it comes up to renew them, it's just like it's annoying. a massive amount of yeah. <laughs> savings every year. Um, what business item could you not live without? My laptop, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be, sc- I'd be screwed without my laptop. Cool. Um, what your? Uh, well, actually, no. How do you measure your personal success? The amount of stress I have in that okay. given day. I feel it's not about money to me. It's am I happy? Am I generally happy waking up? And do I go to bed with a smile on my face? And am I excited to wake up the next day? You said you're getting married soon. I am. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm getting uh, bugged a lot by my <laughs> girlfriend. It's five years, so fair play to her. Join the club. Yeah. Um, any tips that you have for, I guess, keeping your partner happy? Yeah. Um, is she supportive? Does she understand what you're doing? Um, she actually, yeah, any, she runs all of the marketing team, the brand for CrossNet. All right. So uh, <laughs> she's been there since day one. She's definitely a ride or die for sure. But uh, no, I think it's, being very diligent about when it comes five or six o'clock, you shut the laptop and it's no more cross network. It's me and Lindsay time. It's, it's the relationship time. Sure. Like conversation sneaks in cause running a global brand and there's shit I'm stressed about, but more than likely it's shut the heck up about cross net. Let's talk about us and uh, making sure that you make time for your significant other. Uh, just, you got to do it. And I think, I think I do a pretty decent job, like always be better, but yeah, trying to shut things off at five or six o'clock is definitely the key to nice work life balance. How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Oh, I go to bed at like midnight and I wake up at eight. So yeah, eight, eight hours, give or take. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm happy with it. If you weren't in the, uh, category that you're in, yeah. what category most appeals to you? What, what kind of business would you like to have other than the one you've got? I think it'd be sick to have like a cool food and beverage company. It would be pretty shitty to have like 30 cent profit margin and that would be annoying and it would suck to have to raise like a hundred million dollars, but it would be cool to like create a really cool food. And then I've always wanted to get into tech, not so much for the tech side of it, but more cause like you have like a hundred multiples and like that, that's exciting to like get rich off of tech. But uh, I think I've kind of found like my calling like, Oh, I just love being outside. I love backyards. I love creating games. We're creating a bunch more games, which is a whole other podcast. Um, but we have so much more coming out, which I'm really excited about. That's incredible. Um, what do you think your biggest challenge is going to be this year? Sam's clubs. 
Uh, we're rolling out to 300 new stores. It's our biggest purchase order ever. We need to prove that we could sell out and uh, we have demand for the game. Okay, cool. Final one. If not Miami, where would you be? Wyoming. What's in Wyoming? Nothing. Just mountains. <laughs> Just mountains and peace. Go You're a spiritual guy, right? Yeah, it goes At the go, end of it all. Go snowboarding, be outside, be on the river. Um, okay. Bonus yeah. then. Bonus then. How much is enough for you to do that? How much in the account for you to say, all right, I've had a good run and I'm off to Wyoming? So I would need the, I would need the house in Wyoming, which would... Wyoming is expensive, brother. Um, so if I, you give me the million and a half dollar house. So I got a nice cabin or I got a nice house. We got another million in the bank account. Call it two and a half. We're good. We're chilling. Two and a half million. I think we're good. Awesome. Well, all the best in getting to that number. I'm sure you will. We'll be there soon. soon. We'll be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously we'll be keeping it close. Eye, but thank you very much for joining us on the show today, Chris. And um, I hope we will speak to you again in the future. Absolutely. Bro. I appreciate you having me on fact that you're still here at the end of this episode tells me that one you must have enjoyed it and two you're probably as big of an e-commerce geek as i am thank you for sticking around and i just want to give a special thanks to rewind clearco and fixer for sponsoring this episode you can find more information and the offers that are associated with those companies in the show notes below please also if you haven't already go to ecom.gold and subscribe to Gold Club. You'll get alerts about upcoming episodes. You'll get extra content like playbooks from each of the people and guests that we have on the show. And you'll also get access to some of the exclusive content that we have coming up. And finally, do share the show with your friends. Give us a review. Uh, It really helps us to build our audience. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take it easy and uh, we'll see you next time.